It's great to be home. It will always be home. It was for years and years and years and always will be. It's great to be here. I've got loads of pages of notes, so at the back they're going to do that if I rub it on. But we are a people set free. If we know him, he's inside us, we are a free people. And we've declared our love for him this morning. We know that 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. And we love his yeses. We love his amens. But what about when he says no? about when God says no? Society nowadays, we're in a a time and a place where it's all about, we can't offend anybody. So basically, anything goes and it's all okay. There's been a complete turnaround. So when now society is frightened to say no, where it should be said, and instead it's saying yes to anything and everything. But do you like being told no? Because I certainly don't like being told no. Now you can't park here. Well, this checkout till it's closing now. You have to go somewhere else. Nobody likes being told no. And it doesn't matter who says it. I would say there's countless Christians that get offended and even leave churches when church leaders say no. And yet that's the place that God's put them in authority. If we're asking a question um, and we're wanting a yes or a no, it'll probably be because we don't want to make a decision ourselves. We very often, there's been somewhere and I thought, I don't really want to go there. I say, darling, do you want to go there? And she say, no. I said, that's it then. That's decided. I've not actually had to make the decision because somebody's made it for me. Well, it might have been one, one of these where, should I go here or should I go there, really, as a Christian? Because a part of me wants to go. And I don't really want to say no to offend anybody. But then if I ask somebody, they say, well, no, you shouldn't really go. Well, that's easy because they've said I shouldn't go. So that's my excuse. And then we often ask because we're pretty sure that the answer is going to be yes. And then we get all offended and upset when it's no. I remember in one of my old jobs, I was told, no, you can't do that anymore. It was something I'd done previously very, very well. And it wasn't only me that thought, couldn't understand why. Even others that I worked with couldn't understand why they'd said, no, you can't do that anymore. Even my direct line boss said, I really don't get that, Richard. I really don't know what it's it's all about. The thing was, as soon as I was told no, I took offence. I felt offended by the person who'd said no to me. That was my first mistake. I should have taken it as a no. I couldn't. My heart slowly became increasingly bitter 
toward the person who'd said no to me. It took weeks for me to deal with it. Julia, the godly woman she is, was telling me, you just need to deal with your heart towards him. Just deal with your heart. But I couldn't. It took me weeks. I dealt with it in the end. Because we get offended when people say no. And sometimes, you know, we can hold on to it for weeks, years. And I've done it over a number of times as, as a Christian. I've got offended and, oh man, let it just rip me to pieces, really. You know, John Bevere did a whole teaching on offense about taking offense and being offended called the bait of Satan. Because that's very often the bait he uses to cause strife and discord in our relationships with one another. But what about when God says no? At the time that I mentioned, I probably would have said that it's different when God says no. But the thing is, God uses people to say no to us. My biggest points of growth in my life have, when, have been when pastors... I don't know if it was yourself here, it probably wasn't. But when pastors, my pastors, have said no to me and I've took offence and I've stormed off and I've, oh dear me, totally wrong, totally wrong. Because God, you know what it says in Romans 13 verse 1 to 3, it says that everyone be subject to the governing authorities. There's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And how many of us have known that judgment and experienced that judgment that we've brought on ourselves? There's lots of examples in the Bible about God saying no. In the Old Testament, many times questions were asked about shall we go into battle? And different battles require different responses. Different battles that we face that come into our life want different responses. And we have to get it right, otherwise we mess up big style. In 2 Chronicles 25 verse 8, God said that even if you go and fight courageously in battle, God will overthrow you before the enemy. For God has the power to help or to overthrow. To Samuel 5.19, David asked the Lord at that time, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead. I'll certainly hand them over to you. So we face battles, all of us do all the time. So shall we attack? Because this, one of three things is going to happen. We're either going to be defeated. Most of the time, we've heard this morning, God wants to do it for you. God's already done it. And he does a lot better than we can. A lot better. Said, the word says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And, and God just does a lot better job than we could ever do when we think we're in a battle and we think we've got to get somebody back for something. I know we don't do that as Christians, but you know when it's in your heart and you're thinking, God does a lot better job than we, we can. We're talking about when God actually says no. 
In 1 Samuel 5, 1 verse 5 to 6, I'm just going to look at this briefly. We read about Anna. She knew the discouragement of God saying no. She longed to have a baby. Yet we find twice in the first few lines of her story that the reason for Anna's infertility was because the Lord had closed up her womb. Wouldn't that have read so much better and so differently if it had said because she was unable to bear children? But it doesn't. It says that the Lord was the one withholding from Anna the one thing that she wanted most in life, which was a baby. In Anna's case, she became so desperate to have a son that she poured out her heart to God in prayer, promising to give her son back to God if he were finally to give her a child. It was then, after came to that place of complete surrender, that we read God's gracious yet timely response. And the Lord remembered her. This, that's in 1 Samuel 1, 19 to 20. It says, the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Anna conceived and gave birth to a son. Anna got a long-awaited son, but years later than she'd anticipated. The apparent no from God was really a wait. And the wait turned out to be the best blessing of all. Because she didn't just have any baby. She had a son named Samuel, who became one of Israel's greatest prophets and priests. He not only anointed Israel's first two kings, but he helped turn the nation's heart back to God. Anna simply asked God for a baby. But God wanted to give her so much more and give the nation so much more than she asked. So he waited and did it in his timing, not hers. Well, we've, many of us know those times of waiting, those times of waiting, and they're not easy. But most of the time I know from God is a wait. He's actually saying, I've got something better for you. I've got somebody better for you. So it's about God's when. But it can also be about God's where. And he says no because we're in the wrong place. As he did with the Apostle Paul. And I want to look at Paul, I, I love this, um, this part. <clears throat> Paul's missionary journeys, although his heart was right, his passion was right, his motives were right, the times and places were not always right, if you read in Scripture. In Acts 16, we read of one of Paul's missionary journeys. Let's just remind ourselves a little bit about Paul. <clears throat> he, in Acts 9, verse 5, God says to Ananias about Paul, This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Paul didn't know that at the time because he'd spoken it to Ananias. But whether you know it or you believe it, if you follow in the Lord, you've been chosen. 
to be where you are, working or living, by God for a purpose. And it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter anything about you, financial status or anything at all. God has a plan. And it's a plan that you'll be fulfilled in. And you may not know the purpose at this moment. Paul didn't know where God was going to send him. He hadn't got a clue. We never thought God would send us back up to the Midlands. Now we're just hoping that some cells will send us back down here. But that's in his timing because we've got family things going on. <laughs> the amount of times we've moved over the years because God said. Um, and he's provided every time. Every time. Every time. And everything's worked out for good. <clears throat> so, back to Acts 16. Paul knows that the calling on his life, he knows that there's a calling, he's pursuing it with all his heart. God's given him a passion to preach the gospel. Nobody can question that. But he's not only given him the passion, but he'd also developed the skills to be able to do it as well. Nobody can say that he wasn't successful in what he did. <clears throat> What's God given you a passion for? As a Christian, have you got a passion? Have you? Ask yourself, have you? We should have a passion as Christians. If he's done something, if God's doing something in our lives, there should be a passion for something. Sometimes we may have to find it. And that will cost. Because it will be precious when you find it. And finding precious stuff costs and can sometimes take time. Sometimes you have to dig deep and get a bit dirty. Well, I tell you, when you find it, wow, it'll just transform you. Transform you from the inside. But it won't only transform you, it'll transform the lives of everybody around you and that you have contact with. Sometimes it might be deep in there because it's become dampened or crushed by life. It's not a priority anymore how it used to be. And we can all give reasons for that. <clears throat> We need to stir it up. It's not down to anybody else but me to stir it up within me. And that's the same for each one of us. Christine Kane says, your day would go a lot better if you looked at the word as soon as you woke up rather than Facebook. Or for me, it's the Sky app. As soon as I wake up, I look at the Sky app and see what the news is. It's simple, but it's true. So if we go from Acts 16, verse 4 to 7. I'm going to read these verses. These are the... Um, I hope. Well, go on then. I wasn't going to. I'll read it from mine. I can read that. Acts 16, verse 4 to 7. Actually, I'll start reading from verse 1. Paul went first to Derby or Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. 
So Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In defense to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. <clears throat> Next. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them prevented them, the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. The Holy Spirit, God through the Holy Spirit, said no. You're not going in there. Paul knew what God had called him to do. And he goes, and God says no. Just maybe you know what God's called you to do. And you're knocking on doors and you're trying to get into somewhere. He could be trying a new job, promotion, wanting to move but you feel doors are being shut in your face. You feel that, yeah, it could be God just saying no. Paul was a successful missionary. He wanted to preach the gospel in Asia. It says the Holy Spirit wouldn't let Paul preach the gospel in Asia. In effect, God says, no, you're not going there. It's really... So we got three continents here. What was the first one? Where did he go first? Um, sorry? Yeah, no, he went through, went through. Praying from through with from Prevented them. Yeah. So we, so there's Asia. So Paul's coming to Asia. He sees all these unbelievers and I'm not talking about you, Andy. But he sees all these people <laughs> that need the gospel. And he's here at the entrance to it. And God says, no, you're not going in there. Which, so he comes to somewhere else. And he sees all these. He sees this nation of unbelievers who need the Lord. We all see and know people who need the Lord. And God says, no, you're not going in there. So he goes elsewhere. I, it's very difficult to comprehend that. So he says he'll try somewhere else. He goes to Mycenae. Paul knows that there are people in there who need the gospel, who need the Lord. And he knows that it's God's will that none should perish. God knows that. But God also knows that it's not their time. Which is difficult to us to comprehend. We can't comprehend it because we're not God. But it wasn't their time. 
Paul could have gone in, but he'd have been disobedient to God. And he wasn't going to be disobedient to God. Simple as that. You know, we can look at that and think, so Paul's passing two places. Wouldn't it make sense? Wouldn't it make sense to drop in while I'm passing? Even, let's just get in the country, get a few saved, get them on fire for God, leave them and then they can spread the word and go somewhere else. Isn't it a bit of waste of time to leave all these people? Can you see somewhere where you believe you ought to be? But for some reason you can't get there. You maybe tried a few ways to get there. But you keep ending up at a dead end. It happens to us. It happens to most, to be honest, most Christians who are who have, got, who have got a fashion and are wanting to serve God, they will, this will happen. Because we've got to be moving somewhere. God cannot direct us if we just stood in one place. We've got to be moving somewhere. There's no use sitting in a car and turning the steering wheel if we're not going anywhere. We've got to start moving for God to be able to direct us. But what does Isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 says? For my thoughts, this is God speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Whilst the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And no matter how close we get to God, no matter how much we know him, his thoughts will always be way higher than ours. Always be. In fact, I think probably the closer we get, the realize the higher and higher they are. Well, one thing I can say with 100% certainty is that we can trust God when he says no. And he doesn't have to give us a reason. We love reasons, don't we? We've got to have a reason. If, if somebody says no to us, we've got to have a reason. We want to know why. Why? Why can't I do this? But he doesn't have to give us a reason. We should trust him to know best. Paul did. And there was a big, bigger picture. There's always a bigger picture. And an ending that we cannot see at that time. It's not all about me. It's not all about it. it sorry. It's not all about me. It's all about the kingdom of God at the end of the day. Could you imagine if at that point Paul had said, you know, he gets here. And even when he gets here, he says, nah, I've got this wrong. I've got this wrong. I'm going to, that's it. I've done. I'm going to. Pack up. I'm going to go back to fit, go back to whatever he was doing before. 
Obviously, I'm not, I'm not meant to be an evangelist. I'll get another job. Or he turned back and tried to go in a totally different direction. Paul didn't do either of these. He carried on, which must have been very hard to do at that time. You might be in a similar situation. Just because the promotion, the move isn't coming, or whatever you're um, believing for from God. And I'm talking about stuff that God's put within you. Just because it's not coming at this moment, it doesn't mean to say that you're in the wrong place. Don't give up. Paul didn't give up. Don't give up. Don't go back. Keep going. And you don't, don't, don't thought, think, do you know, the amount of people that I, I see, I've not seen for ages, have you retired yet? And I think, no. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> no. I work part-time now. But no. There's this thing about retirement when we get to these certain ages, isn't there, Kev? Um, <laughs> they do, yeah, get, have you retired yet? No, we move on in God. <laughs> well, Paul didn't give up. He kept going. And sometimes we get those stages where the last thing we want to do is keep, we just want to hide away. We just want to pack up, sit in our seat, and just do nothing. I've been there so many times. And I thought, no, I'm just going to come to church. I'm not sure. Great to hear about one, people wanting to serve. We'd, loved, I used to love doing the doors. Absolutely loved doing the doors, welcoming people and giving them a smile and all that sort of stuff. So precious when you first come into a church, the person that you, that you first meet. So precious. I remember when I first came to this church over 20 years ago and Jimmy befriended straight away, more or less straight away. And then at the time, I was, um, because of my situation, I was, just, I was asking God for a friend. And Mark Huntley befriended me. Um, and it meant so much. It just meant so much. And obviously since then, we've grown really, really good close friends. To get back to Paul, Paul carried on. And it says in verse 8, it says, Paul passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, God spoke to Paul. He had a vision of a man of Macedonia begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Paul realized that, where, that was where God wanted him to preach the gospel. And that's when the gospel came to Europe. So for whatever reason, God wanted the gospel to come to Europe before it went there and there. But that was as far as Paul was concerned. Who knows what God could have been doing in those nations that's not even written in Scripture. God's plan, God's place, and God's timing. And God's order of doing things is often very different to ours. We see things in our eyes of understanding. I see a problem, I see a situation. It's easy, to, if people have got problems, it's easy to look at, look at a person and say, okay, right, first you need to do this, then you need to do this, then you need to do this. But, ah. And we all understand that. And because we say we believe it's the right order, 
We don't take it to God. We don't listen to God about it because that's the way. Because in our understanding, this is far more worse than that. God knows with every one of us, God knows the stuff that keeps us apart from him. And it is different things to different people. It always is. The stuff that keeps you, that you struggle with, with will be different to the stuff that I struggle with. And God knows we're all different. That's why we should bring this sort of stuff to God. We should be believing what he's saying and not waiting for him to say what we believe. If you don't get anything else from this morning, get that. We should be believing what he's saying and not waiting for him to say what we believe. Why? Because his thoughts are not our thoughts. Because his ways are higher than our ways. Our logical, common sense order of things is actually nothing compared to him. Absolutely nothing. If God's saying no to you at this moment in time, or you believe he's saying no to you, it's because he's got something better round the corner. And you can't see it yet. But it's there. It's there. Don't stop. Keep going. Because we know that all things work together for good. For those that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. But it's being called according to his purposes. It's about his purposes in our lives. Which includes the right time and the right place. And he has got a purpose for us. Every one of us. Do you know what your purpose is? Do you know? Anybody? Do you know? I'm not going to tell you what it is. But God's got a purpose for you. God's got something he wants you to be passionate about. We are, you know, we, we've, we've sung about freedom and all that stuff this morning. We totally are sometimes, you know, we are a new creation in him. A new creation. We're new people. We've got the spirit of God in us. And... The world's all we've got. All, all, we are all the world's got. So we, you know, we need to, each one of us, whatever our situation is, whether it's in our own families, whether it's in our, in our own communities, in our own workplaces, but he's got a passion. He has got a passion for you. Let's just close our eyes a minute because... Um, You may not have or feel as though you've got a passion for anything. For whatever reason. But let me tell you, as a son or daughter of the living God, who confesses him as Lord, who is the Spirit of God within him, God has placed something deep within you. Deep within you. 
maybe stuff has got in the way that you just need to just move out of the way to allow that because you know that that's where your heart is at the end of the day. You know that. And some of you have, have experienced that so much and want that back so much but are just too afraid to move those things out of the way to allow it to stir up. Because you know it's going to change your life. If you're concerned about what family or friends or other people will think, God's never let you down up to now, has he? He's not let you down now. He's not going to now. He won't let you down now. Well, you just need to keep going. Keep cracking on and God will open a door. I work for Amazon and don't stone me, but I work for Amazon in HR and um, always believed in trying to share my faith and I found out a few months ago that Amazon have a, an infinity group called Christians at Amazon. And there are thousands of Christians that work at Amazon. And we actually have the freedom to meet for prayer. We have our own groups at work. And Amazon promote this. Um, and I've been so long waiting and waiting. There were times when I thought, because it can be a godless place as well because of everything else to do. There were times I was thinking, God, should I really be here? Because I don't get involved in this, that, the, that and the other. And then all of a sudden, these things come about that I'm really, really involved in. You may be in a place where you've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And then just around the corner, God is going to open something up that will totally... Yeah, it, it will change your life. No doubt about that. It will change your faith. It will change you outwork your faith the way that you outwork your faith. Father, we just come and we thank you for your grace that's always sufficient, always has been and always will be, your mercies that are new every morning. We come as your children, Lord, and we just want to serve you. We just want to be humbly obedient to you. Forgive us, Lord, when we don't listen. When we're too busy talking, that we don't listen to what you're saying. Father, help us to be light wherever you've placed us, whatever that means for us, so that we'll glorify you. As we thank you, Lord, that you've got our back. You've got our back and all things do work together for good for those that love you and accord according to your purposes, Lord. I thank you, Lord, you've gone on a plan and a purpose for everybody in this room, everybody that's watching, Lord. Lord, I pray, God, that through whatever means that you'll reveal it. In Jesus' name. Amen.